the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I am your host, Mike Calabrese. This is our breakdown of the first four live from Dayton, and we're bringing in Action Network college basketball contributor Tanner McGrath to break down the action between the 16 seeds and the 11 seeds, trying to work their way from the field of 68 down to the official field of 64. Tanner, first and foremost, congrats to your Vermont Catamounts. They punched their ticket, 15 seed, no play-in necessary for them. They'll take on Marquette in the first round. What are your thoughts on Vermont? Are they a live dog there in the first round? Give me the quick sales pitch. Just convinced um, our own Stucky to log that into the app. Um, I think they're live. I think that as long as they can control the pace, they match up. All right, I'll have have the full breakdown on the app tomorrow evening. So I'll let you all read it then. But yes, the answer is yes. Yes, the award-winning Action Network app has all of the plays and analysis, everything you need. You can go ahead and tail or fade, you know, the experts here, however you want to break up your picks, but make sure to have that be your first place to go before you fill out your bracket. And a reminder to our audience that we're going to have Big Bets on Campus recorded podcasts all the way through the round of 64 and then live shows for the round of 32. So that'll get you through the entire first weekend's all right, we're going to hop into it. We're going to start with the 16 seeds, and I'll go to bat first. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, the Islanders lay in three and a half against Southeast Missouri State. Total is set at 154 and a half. And here were my initial thoughts on this. There's a reason these two teams are in the 16 game play, and they are really bad defensively by NCAA tournament standards. The Islanders are 327th in two point percentage defense. And SEMO just hacks the ever-living crap out of you. They send teams to the foul line for almost 26 foul shots per game. That's 362nd nationally. And why is that important? Because Texas A&M Corpus Christi is elite at one thing. They are the second best foul shooting team in the entire country, north of 80% from the charity strike. And I think for that reason, they're the right play in this spot. The three and a half does not scare me away. They went 12 and one down the stretch, whereas Southeast Missouri State, they were kind of in a rock fight there in the the OBC to be able to get that automatic bid. So I think from a standpoint of who's hotter entering this, it's the Islanders. Defensively, they both struggle, so it should be a higher scoring game. But I think you get the added benefits of Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, being aggressive, getting to the line a lot. And also, I get to tap one of my favorite players that uh, does not get a lot of notoriety at the mid-major level, and that's Isaac Mishilla. Mishilla was one of the most efficient players in the entire country. He averaged 14.5 points, 9.7 rebounds, shot almost 55% from the field, 39% from three-point range, and just like everybody on this Islander team, he was nails from the foul line, 84% from the charity stripe. So I'm going to go ahead with Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the 16 versus 16 play-in. How about yours for the other? First of all, just want to say um, I also love Corpus Christi in this game. Uh, I think they're playing their best ball at the right time. Really like how experienced the team is. And I'm just wondering where Steve Lutz is going to coach next. Anyways, on to my 16 versus 16 seed game. This is the uh, earlier game on Wednesday. FDU and Texas Southern. I covered a lot of NEC ball this year. 
So it's hard for me not to like the Knights. Tobin Anderson's first year with FTU and it resulted in an NCAA tournament appearance with an asterisk. Um, the Knights did almost upset Merrimack in the uh, Northeast Conference Tournament Finals. Whatever, they're here now. Anderson brought in three transfers from his old Division II jobs and a couple more from community colleges. Basically just took a bunch of transfer kids from the D2 level, imported them in. This squad overwhelmed the Northeast Conference with athleticism, offensive rebounding, and the full court press. No team in the country pressed more than FDU, and that poses a monster problem for Texas Southern because the Tigers are a very poor ball-handling team. And the poor ball-handling spearheads a horrendous offensive attack, one of the worst in the nation, actually. That said, if Texas Southern does break the press, the Tigers will be staring down one of the worst defensive teams in the nation. FDU can't stop anyone in the half court. However, Texas Southern's defense also went under the radar in SWAC play, I thought. They saw some poor um, shooting luck on defense. It sank its whole efficiency numbers. The shot quality metrics grade the Tigers as one of the SWAC's best defensive team. Specifically, they're a great defensive rebounding team, which poses a big issue for FDU, which relies heavily on the offensive glass to fuel parts of that inclined offense. So my overall point here is you're getting an, an interesting contrast in styles. FDU has a good... Offense, bad defense, but they can press te Texas Southern. Texas Southern has a bad offense, but a good defense and can keep FDU off the boards. I didn't really know what to do with that, all that information, but in the end, I'm going to back Texas Southern for two reasons. First, you can't really trust FDU's metrics with just how horrific the NEC was this season. Was the SWAC any much better? No. These two conferences finished last and second to last in Ken Palm's conference ratings which is the average adjusted efficiency of a team expected to go, you know, 500 in conference play. But the difference in between the SWAC and the NEC was four and a half points of efficiency. The NEC was devoid of talent this year. Second, Texas Southern has been here before. Johnny Jones is entering his third straight, first four game, looking for his third straight, first four victory. Yes, the Tigers had to steal the SWAC bit away as an eight seed in the conference tournament. But I think the experience should prove valuable here against the first-year D1 coach coaching a bunch of first-year D1 players. Also, the shot quality bets model makes Texas Southern a six-and-a-half-point favorite. So I'm going to take those odds. They're currently laying two-and-a-half across the market. Okay, before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 
Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So going from the 16 play-in where really it's just a, a nice to have a standalone game, it's nice to get that paycheck, but then they're lands to the slaughter against the one seed. Now we transition over to the 11 play-in, and this is really a launching pad. Not only can you win this game, but then you can go all the way to the Sweet 16. You can write your ticket all the way to the Final Four. It's been done before from this spot. So with that, I'll discuss Pitt versus Mississippi State. It's essentially a coin flip. Bulldogs laying a point and a half. Total set at 133 and a half. And I'll say some nice things about both teams. Pitt, 24th in offensive efficiency, as um, according to Ken Palm, they don't turn it over very much, so they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot. They make some nice runs offensively because they make a lot of triples, nine and a half, made three-pointers per game. That's 23rd nationally. I really like their guards. Jamarius Burden and Nellie Cummings. Cummings, they import in from Colgate. They can score and facilitate as a duo. They average over 10 assists per game as a backcourt. They have some nice wins. You know, they beat UVA. They nearly swept Miami, Florida. Jeff Capel has been a good tournament coach, you know, all the way back to his VCU days. He almost up, had an upset at VCU as a 13 seed. He took OU to the Elite Eight and avoided any first-round exits. So I like what he brings from a coaching perspective. Mississippi State, it was harder for me to talk myself into them because they went four and four down the stretch. They needed overtime to beat Ole Miss in Florida. They were in a dogfight with South Carolina. That doesn't bode particularly well, in my opinion, for a, a game against a, a pit squad that's been battle tested against really good opponents down the stretch. Also, Mississippi State, when you're looking for those non-conference apples to apples comparison, their non-conference slate was horrific. They didn't play anybody. So really, it was all about SEC play. And one thing about the SEC is they didn't face any teams that could hurt you from three-point range. That's just not the case with the Panthers. But as I said, I'm going to say some nice things about Mississippi State, too. And it really comes down to Tolu Smith. He's been carrying them lately, and Pitt struggles at one thing defensively, guarding the post, 223rd according to shot quality. So if Smith goes off and scores 25-plus in this game, he can put the team on his back. That being said, from a pure value perspective, I don't think Pitt's ever going to be out of this. It's what they can do from three-point range. I like their backcourt better. It's time of year. Let's put you know some credence to it being a guard-dominated tournament. I'll go ahead and take the Panthers plus 105 on the money line. What are your thoughts on this matchup between the Bulldogs and Panthers? That's interesting. I am going the other way. Um, pretty simple cap for me. I was going to play um, Bulldogs minus one and a half. I think the Bulldogs ball screen defense eats up Nellie Cummings, Jamarius Burton. Um, I think Tolu Smith eats on the offensive boards against a very poor um, pit defensive rebounding team. So I am disagreeing. All right. How about yours uh, in terms of the 11 versus 11 matchup? We'll see if I also disagree or we can find some consensus. Arizona State playing Nevada. Um, again, late night game on Wednesday, 9 p.m. on True TV. The Desmond Cambridge revenge game. 
couple things about this matchup. Arizona State loves to run the floor, um, top 20 rate uh, in transition frequency, second nationally in rim points per possession per shot quality. Meanwhile, Nevada's transition defense, very suspect. 14th percentile in synergy, below average read rim defense by shot quality metrics, which is interesting because you'd see Will Baker, seven-foot dude, big man in the middle of that um, defense, not exactly a rim protecting presence or really a good defender overall. I mean, he's one of two Wolfpack players with a negative DPPR um, rating by uh, um, Evan Mayak. Conversely, Nevada could see some success with off-ball offense, but the Wolfpack are even more reliant on post offense. And that's where Will Baker really steps in. The guy scores over 1.1 points per possession in those sets. But then you're running Will Baker into Arizona State's very stout interior post-up defense. Ended up as the top post-up defense in the Pac-12. Ended up sixth nationally in two-point defense and top 20 in block rate because you're running seven-foot Will Baker into seven-foot Warren Washington. It's also hard to get excited about this Nevada team overall. I mean, I'm a big Keenan Blackshear guy, um, but the whole offense is somewhat uninspiring. They're really free-throw reliant, often get caught in mid-range jumpers. And I don't think, are the Wolfpack even supposed to be here? Like Rutgers probably should have been that last team in, right? Meanwhile, Arizona State has higher upside. Teams won six and one in Pac-12 play, has wins over Creighton, Oregon, Arizona, USC. They like to shoot threes, meaning they can get hot. Nevada's happy to allow those. I'm mostly betting on the upside for Arizona State, and I'm betting on the transition offense. I'm laying the points with Arizona State minus two and a half. I also like the Desmond Cambridge angle, and it's worth mentioning that the shot quality bets model makes Arizona State nearly a five-point favorite here, so I'll lay two and a half in Dayton with the Sun Devils. At some point, we just have to wait for the Mountain West to prove it, I think. I think, you know, the fact that they have, what, one tournament win in the last four tournaments, something like that, it's it's now become an issue where when they have to play in March and everything that you laid out, I think it's just a bad matchup against this Arizona State team. A lot of their strengths are negated. And I agree, it's going to require them to probably take 25 foul shots in this game to be able to not only cover, but to win out, right? That's a tall task and so dependent on an officiating crew. It's like, are, are they going to be into those ticky-tack fouls? Are they going to allow them to play? That is a big variable. So maybe from a live perspective, if you're out there watching the game and you see a very tightly called game in the early going, maybe there is some value on Nevada. So just something to keep in your back pocket as you're looking to you know play one of these you know late night games. Any final thoughts on the play-in games? Do you see any of these teams from the 11 line potentially making a run if it all goes right? You know, like I said, um, one of the reasons that I'm betting Arizona State is that I am betting into that upside. I'm betting into the team that was 6-1 and one in Pac-12 play, that can hit the shots, that can get hot in transition. If one of these four teams is going to make a run, they're going to be the ones to do it. And yeah, and I think that Arizona State um, poses a, a decent matchup if they get past it against TCU. Um, TCU is a little bit hurt right now. Um, if any one of these teams is going to make that final run, I'm going to go with the Sun Devils. I'm not. I'm certainly not enamored by Iowa State as a succeed. I do think there's potential for either of these teams. Mississippi State with Tolu Smith. I mean, he he can. As I mentioned, he is the offensive engine for them right now. He can put it together long term and potentially string together two or three wins. I do like Pitt's offense. I know that they hit a bit of a wall down the stretch in the ACC, but we talked about ceiling. I talked about that win against Virginia. 
almost a, a season sweep of Miami. These are things to consider in terms of when everything goes together. And I do like Capel as a coach. So I would not feel comfortable putting either of those six seeds onto the round of 32 or even further. Not that I think either of those teams are in great positions leading into the tournament, given the fact that TCU and Lampkin and some of their injuries, and also the fact that they can't shoot from the perimeter. I think a lot of people are cooling on them heading into the tournament. So that's it for our first four preview. That's a breakdown of the two 16 versus 16 games, as well as the pair of 11 v 11s. And a reminder to our audience that you can find all of the March Madness content covering every single game in the round of 32 throughout our feed. Stucky, the three-man weave, BJ Cunningham, everyone doing their part. Also, uh, just an army of writers doing single game previews for every single round in the round of 64. So check out the award-winning Action Network app. For Tanner McGrath, I'm Mike Calabrese. Thank you so much for listening and best of luck filling out your brackets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.